once again, and welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode, number 124, Just Good News, journal entry number 21, part 2. Before we get into that episode, let me remind you, as always, where you can find our podcast. You can find us at Be Boomer Unleashed. Dot podbean.com. And then, of course, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio. You can also find our link on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you can't find us in any of those places, just Google Be Boomer Unleashed, and it'll take you somewhere where you can hear our podcast. Also, drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. With your comments, your criticisms, your suggestions for future episodes, and if you, or maybe you know a friend who should be a guest on the Be Boomer Unleashed podcast, let us know about that, and we'll do our very best to get them on the show. Well, episode 124 today is a continuation of our interview with Jason Starkey. Last week, we aired part one of our interview, and If you haven't listened to part one yet, uh, I encourage you to do that and then listen to part two. It kind of makes it flow just a little bit better for you. But Jason's uplifting story of how God touched and changed his life is remarkable, to say the least. I certainly hope that you enjoy part two of our interview with Jason. So without further delay, let's go to part two of that interview as we pick up where we left off last week an agent came into my life i'd never heard of him you know and i can't remember his name but he'd convinced me that you know that i had a chance to get drafted and so built up the hope in me and 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 it led to me sitting there on draft day with my dad and waiting for our name to get called and it never did and and many of my friends didn't get drafted four of them did and after that draft is over many of them were getting phone calls and then they called me have you been called yet have you been called yet and I didn't get my call until June um, of that of that year in 2000, and uh, I was down in Tampa Bay playing arena football. My agent talked me into doing that, um, and I just played the worst game of my life the night before. And I come home after that game, and and, and there was a, a scout, head scout for Arizona Cardinals on my answer machine. His name's Jim Stanley. For those of your listeners that don't know what an answer machine is, it's this little <laughs> machine we used to have on our counters that we put a tape in when you weren't able to answer the, the phone that hung on the wall, they'd be able to record a message. No, but uh, he was on there. My dad was on there after him, validated the message he left. So I got out of there and went to Arizona to, to quote unquote walk on again. I was one of 103 football players that went into that summer um, two days and um, only 53 were going to make the team. And, and I was fortunate to be uh, one of the practice squad members. Um, you know, I got a lot of great stories. Uh, but my first one is when uh, the final cuts were made after our fourth preseason game, I woke up in the Buttes Resort in Phoenix, Arizona, and the paper was underneath my door. And um, final cuts for the Cardinals was on the headline. So I quickly looked through there, and my name was on there. And I was really, you know, hurt by that reading in paper that I was going to be cut that day. No one called me. No one gave me the heads up. And so, you know, our chauffeur or whatever came to pick all of us up. And I reluctantly got in the car waiting for someone to tell me the truth, figured that he might not say in front of them, get to the facility. 
No one comes and gets me from my locker. Strength coach says it's time to work out. I'm like, what in the world's going on? So I'm working out, and we have an open weight room, which, you know, you can walk through and have to to get to the coaching offices. And I see the Grim Reaper. It's what we called them, grabbing all my buddies. And here I am getting a workout in, sweating and working out with the coach. <laughs> finally, I'm like, hey, what the heck? You know, I yell across the weight room might have used a choice word or two i was like i've already read mistaken paper you guys are going to cut me i mean you're going to just make me work out first you ain't got the guts to come and get me out of the gym i, I was just upset and pretty colorful and so he he said all right you're next and just walks off and i'm like oh shoot maybe i shouldn't have said nothing you know uh, and he comes out he goes okay go get your playbook let's see the head coach and now i'm you know i'm emotional i'm i'm like shoot this dream is over it's ended and i've only been here a few months i thought i thought i did good enough and i didn't and, and what ended up happening they cut a long time perennial pro bowl center that played for the buffalo bills in the, that run where they went to the Super Bowl four years in a row. His name's Mike Devlin. He's currently the offensive line coach for the Houston Texans, and he became a really close mentor to me. He was an assistant O-line coach. They cut him. They wanted to tell him first before they came and told me what their plan was for me. And, and their plan was, yes, we're going to cut you because you got to clear waivers for 24 hours, and then we want you to be on this thing called a practice squad. Uh, practice squad is basically someone that makes about 75000 a year, which is way more than I'd have made going to any you know, real job. And I'm only working three days a week, and I get a ticket to go to the games when they play at home. And so I watched a lot of those first-year games from the stands, um, and, and, and some of the people didn't believe I was actually on the team. But the nature of the starting center that year, who won a Super Bowl with the Rams and the greatest show on turf the year before, Mike Grudadori, also a good friend of mine today, um, he had 21 surgeries, and uh, and he was obviously opt to getting hurt uh, on the regular. So I got upgraded to the, the to the roster six times that year, um, but getting cut became a carousel. I was I was cut I think four times my first year just so I could be put back on the practice squad. But long story, but that's how I got in, you know. And I'll I'll, I'll transition into this story. Um, fourth preseason game going into my second year. We're playing the San Diego Chargers, the junior Seau team. I'm like I was every four preseason game. I'm scheduled to play the whole game. You know, the fourth preseason game for the listeners that don't know, that's the last opportunity that guys like Jason Stark, you have to impress their staff and make the squad. And so a lot was on the line, to say the least. Um, first drive, um, I'm blocking the nose tackle. My Pro Bowl left guard Pete Kendall that we got from Seattle Seahawks played at Boston College came over and leveled him and in the process of me being engaged in him ripped my shoulder completely out of socket it actually popped out popped back in I've since learned that's called a subluxation um, and, and it was followed by immense pain which was followed by a decision I had to make you know before the next play and that was do I take a knee and let everyone in this stadium and staff know I'm hurt and run the risk of getting cut like a lot of my friends have already um, or do I just battle through the pain? And, and, and I opted the latter and played the whole game with a shoulder that kept popping out, popping back in, and, and it was excruciating. Um, and when that game was over, I was scared to death. And when we got on that bus, I sat next to, you know, my sponsor at the time, which was Mike Grudadori, who had 21 surgeries and had a lot of experience in being injured. And he came from Central Florida, so he knows what it's like to work your way up from a small school. And I said, what do I do, Mike? And unbeknownst to me at that time, Mike was a walk-in pharmacy. So he opened the lapel of his jacket 
and he and he pulled out a prescription bottle and gave me a couple Percocets and said, "You take these and you don't tell anybody. Tomorrow's the final cuts, and you deserve to be here." And so I took them, and within 30 minutes, I was no longer afraid. I was no longer in pain, and a lot of that fear and insecurity was just wished away. And so pain pills were entered into my life, and. Although I'd been doing drugs on occasion and drinking all the time to subdue the the immense fear that an athlete experiences, especially at that level, especially when you're on the cusp like I was, and every coach in the building is using the fact that you could be cut at any minute if you have a subpar performance in practice or in the weight room every single day of your life for four years. You know, it really manifests this 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 insecurity, this fear. They use your shame against you. And so these pills took all that away. And so I would drink every single night till one, two, three in the morning. I'd eat pills all during the day. I'd wake up at five to six to be there on time, go through a morning routine that is not attractive um, so that I can perform. And uh, so oftentimes when people ask me, hey, you're in the NFL, it must have been great. There's a lot of there's a lot of assumptions about what that must have looked like. And it, and it was great to a, to a certain degree. Um, but it also looked like that. And that to me today is hell. It's a hell on this earth. It's the enemy using things like, you know, pain pills and fear and insecurities as a tool to steal, kill and destroy, which is exactly what his plan is for all of our lives. And uh, it effectively worked in my life for a long time. And if I may, I'll just transition to, you know, when I got cut in 2003, it was after the fourth game of the regular season. They put me on IR, um, and they did the right thing by me. They opted to pay me that that year contract, which was the biggest contract I'd had to date, and fix my shoulder. Um, although I'd had a tryout with the Houston Texans later after I finished rehab, I was in such a mess due to the severe addiction I had to pain medication that I wasn't in a place to perform. I was barely in a place to live. In my life, I was newly married, newly you know, released from the Arizona Cardinals. I had no blueprint for living. I had no God in my life or no relationship that was meaningful. And, uh, and as a result of all that and much more, um, fast forward a few years, and I woke up in my car parked behind a Walgreens in the streets of Phoenix, Arizona in July of 2006. I've got blankets rolled up in my windows and my seat laid all the way down. I'd run the car that night like I did on most nights because it was going to be 122 plus degrees again that day. I'd been living in that car for almost six weeks. I'd been homeless. There'd been no one that would take my calls anymore in the Valley of Phoenix. I was separated from my wife. She loved me enough to kick me out of her house. I had nowhere to go. And on July 22nd of 2006, my phone rang. And I looked down at my phone and I realized it was Lark, who's my wife at the time. And, and I reluctantly took that call, wondering why she'd be reaching out to me. And as I remember that conversation, she asked me to come home. She said it was supposed to be, you know, record high that day. And she's worried about me. When I hang up that phone, Mr. Lake, I got to tell you, um, I was so sick in the head that I was thinking to myself, she's finally figured it out. She can't live without me. You know? <laughs> I, and, and, and those of you know have had checkered past know how insane that thought is to occur. I mean, you're talking about a man that robbed everything from our family, 
I was a millionaire by the age of 27. I'm now 29. I'm over a million dollars in debt. I got four houses I owned. I wasn't allowed in any of them. Eventually, all four of them would short sell or foreclose on due to the housing crash in 08. My wife kicked me out. Um, I'm unemployable. I had failed business ventures in the restaurant business. I was fired from a great medical sales position in Phoenix. I just I had nowhere else to turn. Um, and what really happened was an intervention was going on that Larky and Chad Pennington very much um, created. And even though Chad was going into his eighth season with the New York Jets, he had been on the phone with Larky that summer and knew the 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 the, the the stage of my condition and, and, and how important it must have been to him and Lark to get me some help because I wasn't in a place where I was willing to do anything about it. And so Sean Saunders shows up at the foot of my bed the very next morning. And I'd went out and acted fool that night. And when I, once I got home, Larky left. And I was like, wait a second. I thought we were going to figure this out. And she said, oh, no, I'm not staying here. I just want to make sure you're somewhere safe. And she wanted to know where I was the next day because obviously things were going on. But um, I'm so grateful for that um, decision that they made to, you know, trust what God and the Holy Spirit was telling them because they flew me to, to Knoxville, Tennessee, where I was picked up by Coach Elwood Pennington, Chad's father at the airport. And I was filled with so much ego and pride. I'm wearing Chad's Jets jersey, which was actually given to me from a friend to get Chad's signature. And I never did what I said I was going to do at that time and actually kept the jersey and, and eventually gave it to someone else. I made amends for that, by the way, in my first <laughs> jersey um, years later, just to tell you the rest of that story. But I got picked up by Coach Pennington. He, you know, and here's a guy, here's a dad that I saw often in our locker rooms in our time at Marshall who always, you know, I viewed my perception of him as, oh, he's, you know, he's a righteous man. You know, I, I, you know I've got other plans. I don't really want to sit and have conversation with Elwood because I know where it's going to go, you know, and, and, and that guy is picking me up at the airport. And that guy's the one that walks me into treatment and writes the big check so that I can stay. And that guy's the guy that gives me a big hug and tells me it's going to be okay. And that guy's the guy that cries with me as, as I walk in and he walks out. I'll never, ever forget the impact that that guy had on my life. Wow. His birthday was just the other day. And I'm just one example of hundreds, if not thousands of men that he's impacted in that kind of way. You know, we, we often, I often really uh, diminish the power that God has given me to influence and impact the lives of others. And it doesn't matter what age they are. It doesn't matter where they're at in life. If I just trust the Holy Spirit when he's pushing me, usually he pushes me in a position to make an impact for the glory of God and for the greater good of the kingdom. And, and Elwood absolutely did that. You know, when I graduated from that treatment facility, he was the guy that picked me up every weekend, drove me across Knoxville, it was a 45 minute drive each way for him, take me to his house to clean gutters and pour mulch, you know, and, yeah. and I, and I'd clean gutters and, and, you know, and I'll never forget. I show up at his house and he pulled out, he's pulling out. He just had a heart attack this time in his life. He's pulling out a ladder out of the, out of the garage. I'm like, hey, coach, can I get that? Oh, I got this. And he sets the ladder up, 
what are we doing, Coach? He goes, well, today you're going to clean these gutters. And, I mean, this is a beautiful house. It's at the bottom of this this forest, if you will, and, and it was catching a lot of leaves. And, and so I get in there, and, and, I, and I start cleaning gutters, and I do a good job, and it takes a couple days. And the next weekend we get out there, he walks in the garage, he pulls out pulls out that ladder. I said, Coach, can I help you? No, no, no. And he sets it up next to the house. I said, what are we doing? He said, well, today you're going, you're going to clean these gutters. I'm like, Coach, <laughs> we just uh, we just did that, you know, last week. I, I mean, I cleaned them pretty good. Did I not do a good? Nah, I think we ought to go up there and give them another go. Okay, okay. And I reluctantly go up the ladder and start cleaning them, and I do what I thought was a good job. You know, another couple weeks go by, and then we get to the house. And he goes in the garage, and he starts to pull up that ladder. I said, Coach, what are you doing? He said, well... Today, I think you need to clean these gutters. Like, Coach, I did that a few weeks ago. I've done that twice, actually. I mean, don't you think it's time we should start looking at these trees and maybe I should go up there and start cutting some of these limbs down? You know, like, what do, what do you think about that? He said, no, Jason, I think it's time that you start to uh, honor God through respecting the authority he's placed in your life. And today, that authority is me. Wow. So today, you're you're going to clean these gutters. And I, and I tell you, it's just lessons like that where he – it, you know, and he had gained my confidence at that point where he had, he had, he had gotten vulnerable with me enough about who coach P was. And, and as a result of a relationship with Christ, who he is. And so through little lessons like that, that helped just bring Jason back down to, you know, earth and, 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 and allow an opportunity for Christ to come in as a result of those conversations and many more, I gave my life, to Jesus Christ on the dirty floors of a treatment facility in 2006 in the fall. Um, and I ended up, when I went back home to Phoenix to start working on that marriage, I got baptized in our church, Sun Valley Community Church, in 2007, and uh, served that church until we left, came down here in 2010. We've been a member of uh, church down here since 2010. I regularly get up on our stage and been blessed with opportunities in every church that I've served to give my testimony and, and to do the best I can to, you know, honor what God's not only done in my life through sobriety, because my truth is I haven't had a drink, a pill, a drug since July 25th, 2006. And for that, I'm extremely grateful, you know, to God, to coach Pennington, to all those. And, and, and that, and that program I'm affiliated with, it's anonymous. Um, it's, it's, it's impacted my life for good, but I tell you, God's restored my finances through, through putting him first and honoring him in the way that he says to honor him with that first 10%. And, and he's totally done a 180 in my fine. I no longer am a million dollars in debt and I didn't have to go bankrupt to get there. I don't owe on anything except for my house and that's a modest mortgage. And, uh, and I paid all of it back. Everything, including that jersey I took from someone else's <laughs> back. So, you know, and, and that, that woman that loved me enough to kick me out of our house you know, she's at home right now, you know, helping me you know, raise these two kids. It's never seen dad drunk or high and, uh, and God will and never will. Um, and just everything the enemy meant to steal, kill and destroy from my life, you know, a loving God through Jesus Christ and the relationship I have with him has restored tenfold. Just like there's no bottom to the basement that the enemy has in store for us. There's no top to this mountain that God's taken me up. The view just keeps getting better. You hey, know, I, one of my favorite, I'll wrap it up with this. One of my favorite passages is, you know, trust in the Lord with all your mind, spirit, and 
and soul and, and lean not in your own understanding, but involve him in all your affairs and your path will be straight. You know, I gave that message to our football team last year in our camp leading up to the, to the start of the season. I said, look guys, there's a couple things here. I want you to pay attention to that. I've learned. We got a dad that very much wants to be involved. He ain't just showing up on game day and saying, look at my son. He's wanting to be there in the grunt and the practice and the two days of your life. He's wanting to be involved in all your affairs. And the other thing it tells me, guys, is um, he promises our path will be straight if we take on such a relationship with him. But he didn't promise there won't be ups and downs. You know, the way that this is revealed to me is, is he will guard us from the distractions of this world and this enemy that very much wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything that he planned for good for our life, right? It says a straight path, you know, which means I'm not going to get distracted by money, prestige, the NFL, relationships, drugs. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Coach Pennington used to say, keep your eye on the mark, K-Y-O-T-M. You know, that was his saying right there. That's what he'd sign off with his name, you know, and I think when we do that, the best of our ability, it's not about, hey, Jason, behave. It's about, hey, Jason, I love you regardless of how you behave. Amen. And when you fall short, you can always come to me because his yoke is light and it's easy to bear when you team up with him. Amen. And that's the way he wants us to live. You know, I mean, he doesn't want, you know, there's a little book out there. I don't know if you've ever read it or not. It's uh, written by uh, Carrie Schmidt called Done, D-O-N-E. And uh, it's just a little easy read. But uh, basically he says there's two types of uh, religions, if you will, in the world. Uh, the one that you always got to try to be doing something to gain favor. And then the one where it's done. And uh, I am so glad that Jesus paid it all because I couldn't pay it. There's no way I could pay that price, Jason. Uh, I... You know, I could spend an eternity trying to do it, but couldn't do it because, you know, I'm at best, I'm fragile, I'm frail. Uh, if 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 it had to, if if my salvation had to depend upon me, you know, I'd be in hell with a broken back right now. I would, I would, I would never survive. But uh, you know, we and he wants to have, and you hit on it early in this interview. He wants to have a relationship with us. Now, I don't understand that, why he'd want to have a relationship with somebody like me or you or thousands of other people. I, you know, I don't get that, but I'm so glad he does. And, you know, we, uh, you know, you look at the apostles, you look at the people Jesus called to follow him. That was kind of a motley crew when you stop to think about it, you know, and and, and, and I think he does that sometimes just to show that he's God. You know, my son, who was a, uh, a scallywag, uh, you know, he, um, <laughs> he was a dandy. I, I, I didn't think he'd ever live to see his 18th birthday because I thought I'd kill him first. But anyway, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he is now pastoring a church up in uh, northern Ohio. God is using him in a mighty way. I'm so proud of him. And and you know we we loved him through it all, and but not as much as Jesus loved him. And you know he he came to town a few years ago to hold a revival at our church, and there were hundreds of people that showed up just because 
Andy Lake, you're kidding, right? <laughs> you know, but but he uh, he's uh, pastoring up in northern Ohio, and and we're we're just so proud of him. But God uh, God doesn't call people who are necessarily the goody two shoes. Uh, he calls people that will follow him, and uh, that's that's what it's all about. I agree. I'm grateful that I'm <clears throat> that I'm engaged with him in such a way today where I don't I don't feel so heavy anymore. I mean that's that's one of the greatest gifts that, that I've received in, in my walk with him is um, despite the checkered past and the shame and guilt that very much came with it. I mean we just touched on a few, but there's some deep dark mistakes that, that held me in a in, in an imprisoned state for a long time and until I really honestly truly gave him to him and 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 asked for forgiveness and 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 repented you know was i able to reach this place of peace and um and serenity and and boy i tell you in in today's world where all you gotta do is turn the tube on and and it's just shouting fear it's just shouting hate it's just shouting segregation and and division you know um and, and, and that's not the message that, that, that he has for us. Um, that's not the message he has for me. It's just to love God and love my neighbor the best of my ability one day at a time. And, and when I do that, when, and, and when, I, when I follow his other teachings as it relates to how do I show up as a married man, you know, because it tells me, you know, I'm to die for her. How do I show up as a, as a father? It tells me. I'm to bring him up to know him. Right. You know, I mean, Lou Holt says you can't take any of your stuff to heaven, but if you live right, you can take your kids. You know, I mean, and and how do I spend my money? It tells me it tells me how to spend my money. I mean, the borrower slaved the lender, you know, and I was living a slave for a long time. I was buying stuff I couldn't afford to impress people I didn't even really like. You know, and it, and it tells me, you know, these people that persecute me and, and treat me unfairly and unjustly, am I, am I to harbor resentment or am I to love them and pray for them? I mean, it tells me. I mean, all the blueprint for living's in there. And when I'm aligned with that, well, I feel this sense of peace and ease and comfort in everything I was pursuing for the effect produced by the drink and the drug. This power that is God through Jesus Christ, this power that I have access to through the Holy Spirit is so far greater than that. It doesn't cost me a penny, and it, and it wants so much better things for me than any of that other stuff. And that God-sized hole I was trying to fill at the young age of 12 all the way through 29 is now full today. Wow. It's full today. I feel complete. I don't feel incomplete. I don't need a relationship to make me feel significant right. or, or happy. You know, I'm significant and happy because I'm a child of God. Amen. And therefore, I bring significance and happiness to this world. I ain't perfect at that. I woke up imperfect today, you know, in a quarrel with my wife. I had to call and make amends to her before I called and had this, you know, (laughs) experience. I mean, if we want to get honest, you know, I mean, so, you know, I mean, I'm not this guy left up to my own power and my own will. I'm only this guy left up to his power and his will. So everything that those pills did to you know take from my life, you know, he's he's definitely restored. And so today, you know, I I can go home to reunions and, and be around fellows that are participating in the drink, and I can be just fine with it. You know what? When I went home for the spring game, and 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 went to you know to functions and you know where normal people drink, you know, they can have one or two and then leave. You know, I never could do that. Um, I engaged in more meaningful conversations in this last trip home 
where I believe God used me to impact others in a way that Coach P impacted me. You know, it was, it was, as a result, the most successful trip home I've ever had. And from that, this podcast is born. Another podcast is born. A nice article that, you know, I give um, I give him, a, a, the editor, a lot of credit for, for putting a faith-based article in the Herald-Dispatch. Um, you know, it's just, you know, my, my tests are now his testimony. You know, my mess is now his message and, and all I'm to do is just, you know, suit up, show up, share it, and let him do the rest of the work. So hopefully somebody today heard something they needed to hear. You know, oftentimes when I talk to a crowd, you, you know, and introduce myself or get introduced as an NFL football player or, or this or that, um, you know, that's how people see me. But uh, even though they can't see me through this podcast, you know, they may have tuned in because they heard a a former NFL football player, Calvin Midland graduate was going to be on here today, but hopefully not. They've listened. They've heard that there's a God out there that absolutely wants to change their life for the better. And hopefully through my mess and message that they've had an experience where they're now willing to pursue him and love him and involve him, maybe even invite him into their hearts, make a decision to follow him today so that they too can have a life that's meaningful and impactful and full of peace and serenity, despite the world around them. So Hopefully that this podcast that we did had that kind of effect for someone out there. Amen, Jason. I'm sure it will. A lot of people excited about uh, hearing this. I've shared it with a few of our listeners that uh, you'd be on there. They're looking forward to it. So as we wrap this thing up, Jason, and I know you got places to go and things to do. Uh, what? So what are you doing? What? What's? What's the Starkey? What's going on in the Starkey life today? What? What's? What's <laughs> Jason up to today? Well, let's let's start with how how awesome. God is right. So he takes this homeless dude living in his car in July in 2006, and uh, he transforms my life in such a way that now I, I, I'm the president of a home building business. What I'm driving home to right now is a company that's building right now 50 homes. Amen. I don't, I don't say that to glorify me. I say that to glorify him because I didn't know nothing about. I was down here coaching ball, and I met a great man through, um, you know, a spiritual fellowship I'm involved in. And we hit it off immediately, and then he offered me a job to run his company. I'm like, Bubba, I don't know the first thing about building houses. He goes, I don't need you to know. I pay people to know how to build them. I just need <laughs> you to sell them and walk through the process with our clients. <laughs> and so I often say he gave me an offer my wife couldn't refuse. We prayed about this major decision, but I could quickly tell what God was telling her, that I was done teaching and coaching, and I was going to start working in the real world. And um and so I am, and it's a blessing. We just moved into our dream home. Yeah, I wake, I woke up when we moved in there just a couple months ago. I said, honey, you ever feel like we're living in someone else's house? <laughs> she, said, she said, baby, I feel like we're living in someone else's life. <laughs> and I was like, I feel good too, man. We just wake up in a grateful state on most mornings. You know, some mornings when kids aren't behaving the way we want them to. You know, our old Adam, as Coach P would say, comes out and we start acting out of the flesh instead of the spirit. But we know where to go and how to get back. You know, I, I had a pastor tell me, you know, as it relates to conflict in marriage, because it's going to happen. And, and it's what do you do when it happens um, and how do you show up when it happens? He'd encourage us just to stop and pray. He said, hey, the most mature one of you will start it. But I encourage you to stop and pray when conflict arises because Jesus, he doesn't take sides. He just takes over. Amen. So that's how we're living today. Um, we're grateful. We're going. We're going to go up to to San Antonio um, and, and and ship the kids off to see some family in Phoenix. And and, and Lark and I are going to jump on another plane and go down to Mexico and just spend a couple of days together, just her and I. 
I know we're all looking forward to that. Um, but God is good all the time, you know, all the time. Uh, and I'm super grateful for the second lease he gave me on this life. And, and I'm no longer trying to just behave and earn my way into the kingdom. I'm just trying to get closer to him and do his work and his will the best of my ability one day at a time. Amen, brother. Well, listen, Jason, uh, what a thrill it's been to be with you. If you're ever in the Huntington or Barbersville area and you have time, uh, give me a call. I'd love to buy you breakfast or lunch or something one day and uh, just uh, uh, chat a bit. But uh, I know when you come in, you got family obligations and everything. But love to see you again. A lot of people would. But, uh, man, it's been great to be with you today. And uh, we... Uh, Wish you only the best. I've been praying for you and uh, from time to time since I heard about uh, this uh, testimony a few years back. And uh, I'm just uh, just thrilled that you were willing to share it with us today. Well, I'm thrilled to share it. And I want to thank you again, Mr. Lake, for the investments that you made in a 12-year-old's heart that, um, that God used um, to benefit me later on in life. Thank you so much. Thank you to Mr. Gerald. Um, thank you to all the teachers out there. You know who you are, the Miss Nashes of this world. Um, there's just so many that I can thank. But uh, uh, I'm the man today. The best parts of me are a product of the best parts of you guys. And, and I'm eternally grateful for you guys walking the talk. Oh, yeah. So thank you for having me on. I love you. And I'd be more than happy to take you up on that breakfast and coffee. Okay, buddy. I love you too, Jason. So proud of you. Have a great day. Well, I'm not sure there's a thing I could add to that interview other than the fact that I really, really enjoyed spending time with Jason, albeit on the telephone. Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed that uh, episode as well. I hope you take some of the things that Jason said and apply them to your hearts and your lives. Uh, well, if you got any kids or grandkids that are having difficulties uh, accepting uh, things in life and uh, getting that relationship with Jesus, uh, I think you might want to play this podcast for them. And uh, I think that they would, uh, uh, if they have a tender heart, they would be touched by what Jason has to say. Well, I appreciate you being with us. Like I always say, it would certainly be a, a boring place to be if you weren't here with us. And uh, I hope you'll share this episode with your friends. I hope you'll be back next week for another episode of Bee Boomer Unleashed. But until we meet again, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.